If you don't mind, take your Bibles or anything that you have a Bible app on, hold it up high, repeat after me. This is my Bible, the Word of God. And inside, God tells me the plans he has for my life. He tells me how much he loves me, even when this world tells me that I am not lovable and I shall be all that God desires for me to be because his Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. This I proclaim in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would turn your attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I just want to share with you what the Lord has been laying upon my heart for you and for me. Here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to spend the majority of our time in verses 15 through 17. As you heard me mention earlier, make sure you take notes and not just notes that you may see or points that you may see on the screen, but those things that God pulls up in your mind, in your heart, that speaks specifically to you. And as always, look at them during the week and pray about those things because the Lord is speaking to you through his word because the word is alive. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 through 17 is what I'm about to read. Uh, I would like to encourage those of you uh, this Wednesday, midweek gatherings are starting back at 6.30 to 7.30. And also feel free to join us at Wednesdays at 10 a.m. as we go through the book of Revelations. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 through 17 says, And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the accent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jerel. You need not fight in this battle. Take your position, stand, and watch the salvation of the Lord in your behalf. Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear, be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. And today we're just going to talk on this fact. This is not your fight. We're going to talk for a moment simply about this is not your fight. As I look around this room, I see a lot of fighters. And I know some of you don't claim to be fighters. Some of you maybe never have thrown a punch in your life. Maybe never kicked anyone. But I would disagree with you. 
You may not have ever thrown a physical punch. Maybe you never ever had to use the jab step. Maybe you've never had to kick someone, or give someone an uppercut. Maybe you never had to push someone down or body slam someone physically. But as I look around the room, I still see a lot of fighters. Some of you are active fighters. Some of you are retired fighters. Nevertheless, you are titled with being a fighter. But here's the fight I'm talking about. Many of us have thrown spiritual punches, spiritual uppercuts. Some of us have thrown spiritual kicks and jabs and did spiritual body slams. We've done these things and many of us didn't win the fight. Many of us got our tail handed to us. Some of us end up eventually winning the fight, but you got your tail handed to you numerous times before you won that last fight. And the reality is you still didn't even win that last fight. Someone won it for you, and yet you have not given the true fighter any credit. See, as I look around the room, I see fighters. Fighters that oftentimes have been in a fight without any coaching without any trainer, not knowing that this was not your fight in the first place. And some of you are still in the same ring that you stepped in 25 years ago, and you're still in the first round, and you have not made any progress since then. Why? Because it wasn't your fight in the first place. This is not your fight. Now, some of you may be saying, well, so we're going to talk about a battle that took place in the Bible. Now, we're going to more talk about the battles that we have. See, in this room, there are people who are battling loneliness. In this room, there are people who are battling low self-esteem. There are people in this room battling high self-esteem. There are people who are battling in this room about not broken relationships that they either want mended or relationships that they have caused to be broken. There are people in this room that are struggling with some type of substance or substance abuse. These are all kind of fights all around us. Even in this room, there's someone struggling with a financial fight, not knowing where the next meal or how the bills or the expenses are going to be paid. And to you, I still say the same thing. This is not your fight. This is not your fight. I mentioned in this room, though, that there are retired fighters. There are those who have walked long enough with the Lord and they have learned over time or through experience that the battle belongs to the Lord. And they surrender things at the foot of the Lord on a regular basis. And they have retired. And now they just enjoy standing behind the fighter. Well, in this text, we're going to learn a few things. The key character in the text or any text is God. Always. The key human character here is Jehoshaphat. 
To give a little context, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Israel and Judah had, the kingdom had been divided. Israel was in the north. Judah was in the south. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was in the south. And Israel, as well as Judah, especially Israel, had experienced a whole lot of bad kings. This is around the year of 872 B.C., so 872 years before Christ. Jehoshaphat, his, na his name means uh, Lord who judges or Lord who uh, gives judgment. Jehoshaphat or, or, or the Lord will judge. Jehoshaphat was a good king. But Jehoshaphat has some issues, some problems that were taking place. To give some context to uh, verses 15 through 17, in verses 1 through 4, it's in the same chapter, it says, Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Menunites, came to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Aram, and behold, they are in Hazan Tamar. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a period of fasting throughout Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. And they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. So you have Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. He's been notified that three nations, three armies have come together, made an alliance to come against him. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. But notice what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat turned to the Lord in prayer. Is this room full of worshipers or warriors? When problems arise in your life, no matter what it may be, is the first response to worship the Lord in prayer or is your first response to worry about what you are going to do? And the reality is many of the problems that we face, not all of the problems that we face, I'm not even going to say most of the problems that we face, but many of the problems that we face. Why would you turn to you if you were the one that put you in this problem? This is how you got there. So why would you turn to you? The first act when there's a problem, the first response is to worship and prayer. Jehoshaphat turned his attention to the Lord. It doesn't matter how I got here. All I know is that if I want to get out of here, I need to turn my attention to the Lord. That's an act of worship. It's a way of saying, God, I honor you, and God, I count on you. He turned to the Lord. But hold up. I want you to notice something. Everyone in this room is called to lead in some aspect or another. Maybe your parent, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your community. But wherever you go, there's an opportunity to lead. We're called to lead. And leadership always comes back down to influence. And notice what Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat, he turned to the Lord. 
after they reported this to him, and Jehoshaphat, he proclaimed a period of fasting throughout Judah. And they gathered together to seek the Lord. In other words, Jehoshaphat said, you know what? I'm going to turn my attention to the Lord, but as a leader, I'm going to direct others to do the same. When there is an issue, whether it is at home, whether it is in the church, wherever it may be, as a leader, a godly leader, we are supposed to influence others to respond in prayer, not respond in worrying, not respond in just talking to each other about it. Because I could sit down all day with one of you all and talk about the problems, but neither you or I are able to fix it. Because if it wasn't a problem I created, it could have been a problem that you created or we created together. We still need to turn our attention to the Lord. And to demonstrate it even further, it wasn't just dialogue, them talking to the Lord, the Lord talking to them. They backed it up with fasting. They put some action behind it. They sustained themselves from things uh, in order to focus on the Lord. Because fasting is when you sustain from something and you give all of your attention, you direct your attention to the Lord. In other words, what they were saying is nothing else matters. So when issues pop up in your and my life, how many resources do you have? Or do you count on the number one resource being the Lord and letting him direct well, Jehoshaphat, he was afraid. He prayed. They fasted. But there's something else that happens because you have this, these three armies and one is located in the top north. I think that's Ammon. The Moabs were, were located in the middle. And then you had the Menunites. They were located in the south. And they're coming. They're going to come down and crush Smash Israel. I mean, I mean Judah. Small little nation, Judah. We're going to smash you. That's how Roman Reigns said on WWE. We're going to get rid of you. We're going to wipe you out. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. But there's three things that we can see how Jehoshaphat responded. One, when you're going through something, the first thing you want to do is acknowledge God's sovereignty in battle. See, when you go back to verse 15, 15b specifically, it says, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Let me pause there for a moment. So with these kings and these nations getting ready to come down on Jehoshaphat and Judah, there was a prophet amongst them. The prophet had a word for Jehoshaphat and the people. And this prophet told them this. And the prophet, remember this about the prophet. Because uh, this is here's the thing. A prophet is not a prophet of God if the prophet is not being directed or led by God. Now, now I'm saying that because this is very important because we live in a time and age where you're going to meet people that says, hey, I'm a prophet. I'm a I'm prophetess. I'm prophetess. I'm telling you, if the word they share is not of the Lord, that's not a prophet. 
and they will have to pay for what they say the Lord say. A prophet is this, a prophet and a priest, a, a, a priest acts, speaks on behalf of God, I mean, uh, behalf of the people. They, 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 they stand here in the company or in front of the people to speak to God. A prophet speaks on behalf of God to the people, while the priest speaks on behalf of the people to God. The prophet, once again, speaks on behalf of God to the people. This was a prophet of God. And so the word that's coming to Jehoshaphat is not from the prophet. It is from the Lord. The prophet is only a mouthpiece. That's all he is. Listen, any biblical teacher, any biblical preacher, all they should be is a vessel that rightly divide the word of God. God. They should never add anything or subtract anything from the Bible. If they do, the Bible says they will be hit with many strikes. And so no preacher, no one has the authority to add or subtract from the word of God. All I can do is share what the word of God said to the original audience and what it means to you and I today and properly interpret that based upon the theology, the culture, and the literature context of the, uh, of the past. That's all I can do. So if you ever walk away and say, I don't like what Joe said, let me tell you something. I don't like what Joe said either. If I said it, if I said it and it came from me, it is prone to be wrong. If the Bible says it and you and I don't like it, I'll sleep fine tonight. And I hope you do too. And if it bothers you, guess what? The word of the Lord, it actually soothes, but sometimes it also causes itching and aching and agitating. Because you know what? Husbands, wives, it tells us to love each other, to speak kindly to each other, to be friendly to each other. But I don't feel like being kind to her. She gets on my nerve. He gets on my nerve. I want to give it to... No, thus says the Lord. The prophet here, he is only a mouthpiece for the Lord. And this prophet, he shares with Jehoshaphat and the people this. He says, Jehoshaphat, Listen, all of you of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God. Oh, man. Oh, Jehoshaphat. Remember, I told you he's afraid. He's worried. And God tells them. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. This is not your battle. But hold up. How did we get here? Remember I told you he prayed? He fasted? Well, that's not all. Go to verse 12. Look, look at verse 12. It says, this is, this is uh, Jehoshaphat. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. 
I don't know about you all, but that just gives me the goosebumps. Now, he is saying, now I told you he's afraid. And he's talking to the Lord. Look, look, I'm afraid. And I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, uh, Listen, will you not judge them? Are you not going to deal with them? And we do not have the power. I'm not strong enough. My arms are too short to fight with them, to box with them. There's nothing I can do. We, We are powerless against this great multitude. It's too many of them, and they're too, listen, they they have too many resources, and it's just little old Judah, and we're just not strong enough. But watch this. They're coming against us, and not only are we not strong enough, we don't have a plan. There's nothing we can do, but watch this. Watch this. Watch this. But our eyes are on you. I know I don't have the power. I know I don't have the plan, but my eyes are on you. So what are you going to do? You all remember me telling you a few years ago, uh, we had this minivan many years ago, had a couple, several minivans, but we were in this minivan. Uh, I was driving this minivan, I was on my way to work, and we didn't have any money, struggling to pay every note. Struggling with every, I'm, I'm just telling you, like, it's hard times between a rock and a hard spot. And here I am, and I've had so many experiences on 78. I could, I'm at, I, I don't have so many uh, uh, <laughs> conversations with the Lord and experiences on 78. I, I, I really could, I, I could feel, I could feel a, a whole book up with my experiences on 78 alone. Now, I, it's something about that road. I don't know what it is. Uh, for a while, I said I did just need to stay off of it. But anyway, uh, listen, the first ticket I ever got was on 78. Uh, I, and guess what? I got it on my birthday. And I, I had two of my brothers that taught me how to drive. And uh, one of them, I, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't have learned anything from him. I kid you not, I was riding with him one time. He, he had five accidents in one day. Man, take your license. Take your license away from me. But th- listen, I've had so many experiences on 78. And here I am going down 78 in the minivan. It's cold. Uh, it's traffic on 78. I prepare to stop. The van slides because there's black ice. It hits another vehicle, and that vehicle hits another vehicle. Now, I just told you we didn't have any money. I can't replace this car. I can't fix a car. Don't even know where the next meal coming from. This is our transportation. I'm just on my way to work. Just going. I, I wasn't driving fast. Wasn't distracted, wasn't looking at anything, and I just slipped on this car, slid on this black eye, hit another vehicle, hit another vehicle. And, I, and this is how it works. The car that hit the, the vehicle up front, they're going to get sued. The car that hits that car, they get sued. That's the way it works. It doesn't go back to the originator, or, or the originator. And so I don't know if the person in front of me has insurance either, because if they don't have insurance, guess what? They got to leapfrog. They got to get it from somewhere. All right. Here I am in this minivan. Let me, let me tell you this, though. I don't know what we're going to do. We will not have any transportation. We will not have any money. Just got in this accident. Airbag deployed. Van gone. I'm alive. I get out the van. I see everyone else is okay. At least can walk. 
The first thing, though, that came, came out of my mouth is this. All right, God, your van gone. What are you going to do? Your van, your van is gone. What are you going to do? I, listen, I know that was nothing but the Holy Spirit. Because my flesh, I, I, I wouldn't have thought like that. I would say, oh my, you know, I said, Lord, your van is gone. I realized right then and right immediately, this doesn't even belong to me. And Lord, I cannot fix this. I cannot resolve this. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And let me tell you, keep a long story short, God provided. Another car was given. We were driving. We were, we, we, we were okay. Everyone survived. Everyone lived. Everyone's, everyone's good to go. But God provided. God, what are you going to do? When you go through an experience, the first thing you want to ask, God, what are you going to do? And Lord, I want you to know something. Notice what Jehoshaphat says in verse 12. Our eyes upon you. you. Know what that means? Not only are what are you going to do, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Now, here's the funny thing. The world around you is looking at you trying to figure out what you're going to do. Some of us, we move and we do things because the world is looking at us. And so we start acting out, trying to fix things because the world expects things to be done because of you and I. But you keep, God, I'm waiting on you. You tell me. You show me. You show out. What are you going to do? The first thing you want to recognize is that when you are in a battle, God is sovereign. In other words, God is in control. God has not given up control because there's chaos in your and my life. When things seem to fall apart, it doesn't mean that God lacks power, that he lacks authority, and that he has left his throne. God is still in charge he is still in control. If your marriage is struggling, I want you to know that God is sovereign. If your finances are lacking, if your expenses are high and your income is low, I want you to know that God is sovereign. Next time you walk outside, if, if listen, if you can just spot the birds, whether they're in the tree or on the ground, do they not get food to eat? Most birds don't die of starvation in the United States. Might die because you got a BB gun or something like that, but not from start. If God takes care of the raven, takes care of the bird, takes, li listen, and, and, listen, have you ever seen these geese that they just get in the street and all in the yard and they eat and they poop everywhere they go and then there's just backup, tra I saw them backup traffic on 124, 110, uh, like six lanes and, and the birds were just taking their time. And it, I, I kid you not, I, I'm like, that. Listen, they know what they're doing. Like they stopped in, in the middle of the street, started. And you can't touch them. You can't do anything with them. And they're just like standing there. Listen, but you know what? They eat and they poop. They eat and they poop. They eat and they poop. They don't look like they have a care or a worry in sight. And no one has really any good use for them. Right? People want them out of their yard. They don't have any good use for them. If God takes care of a bird that constantly just eat and poops and get in our way, you think he's not going to take care of those who have been created in his very image? 
Are you kidding me? Every person was created in the image of God. You think he's not going to take care of you? God is sovereign. He's in control. He cares about you. He is sovereign. But watch this. In, in, in Exodus 14, 14, it says the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Notice this again. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. While you are quiet, while you are still, God will fight for you. God didn't ask you to fight for him. Who told you that God needed you to fight for him? God doesn't need you to fight for him. God will fight for you if you just be still. God is sovereign. Deuteronomy 1, 30 through 31, it says this, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And watch this. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you just as man carries his son. Oh, I, I, for me, I really get that. He's going to fight for me. And just know this, he's going to carry me too. God will fight for you. God is sovereign. But in verse 16, this is what we discover. It says in verse 16, tomorrow, go down against them. This is still the prophet speaking to Jehoshaphat. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the accent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Juriel. You need not fight in this battle. Take your position, stand, and watch the salvation of the Lord. And what he's telling them is to position yourselves to witness God's deliverance. Some of us are not even in a position to witness what God is about to do in your and my life. Some of us, we still keep fighting these fights because you never stood to watch God fight the last fight for you. You're still walking around thinking that you won that last fight. You still have not realized that you won that fight, but you didn't win that fight. God won that fight for you. You missed it. You didn't witness it. And because you didn't see it, you still out here doing all this fighting. If you have kids, small or young, if, if you're not careful, you'll worry yourself to the grave with some of the things they do. Because some things you can see they're doing or about to do, and you already know what way this is going. I've always prayed a prayer. My wife and I, Lord, they won't listen. I'm trying to tell them they don't listen. I've had other people tell them they don't listen. So, Lord, I know you have to touch the hard head. So when they hit that wall, could you at least make it possible where they land on a mattress? Because it really is true. A hard head really does make a soft behind. It, 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 really, it really does. And you pray that they can work as parents, as grandparents. You, you know, you, you, we can have all of these concerns. But listen, sit back. Do your part that God calls you to do. But witness what God is doing. Witness the deliverance 
that God is going to bring because God is an expert at fighting for you. Uh, when uh, my, my younger brother, Tim, and I, when we were younger, some, some, some guys wanted to fight him. And they were big, bigger. They came to jump on him, and, and I was in the house, and I heard him yell, and they're chasing him. And he was small, and I heard him yell. And Tim, to me, was my baby. I came outside, and Tim was running, and I said, come here. He was coming this way, and while he was coming this way, I'm going his way. When he got to me, I said, keep going that way. And I didn't run away from them. Now, now listen, I hate to say it. The preacher wasn't nice that day. <laughs> I can tell you that now. And, and I kid you not, one jumped over a wall. I popped him in the head with a pot, a flower pot. I, put, I told you I used to love, I used to love a good fight. <laughs> And I, listen, I fought both of them and Tim was, <laughs> Tim was standing there. But here's the thing. I said, you go over, don't come over here because this is what Tim knew. I said, Tim, don't come over here because when I get to swinging, if you in the vicinity, the one I'm trying to protect just might get hurt because I use everything I got. Fighting and wrestling are not the same. You want to wrestle, there's rules. There's no rules in fighting. Tim, stand over there. And Tim can still tell you the story today. Listen, God wants to do that for you. You go over there, let God come over here. You stay out of the way. He don't need your help. You don't have to put your hands in or put your two cents. God, I just want to put my two cents in. It was your one cent that got you in it. Stay out of it and witness what God wants to do for you. If it's issues in relationships with family, siblings, parents, do what Jehoshaphat did at first. Pray. Fast. When you pray, don't always pray that the person that you're struggling with change. You pray that God change you. You pray and say, Lord, if they never, ever change, give me a heart to love them anyway. Lord, if they never, ever change, give me a heart to pray for them. Lord, if they never, ever change, give me, a, give me a heart to say a word of encouragement. Lord, if they never, ever change, give me the ability to speak truth, but also with grace so I don't be harsh. Help me, dear Lord, so that when they look back over all of these encounters with me, that they can say I did right by them because I was aiming to do right by you. God, if they never, ever change, change me. Use me. Listen, God will do a work in you, but start off like Jehoshaphat. Witness what God wants to do, the deliverance that he wants to bring about by you just standing back. Uh, listen, here, here's the last one, last point. I want you to write this one down, uh, this point. Before I get to that point, I want you to just write this scripture down. It's Psalms 27, 14. Psalms 27, 14. It just says, wait for the Lord. Okay? Wait for the Lord. I, I love it. Like, just wait. Just wait for the Lord. 
Why? Because this is what's going to happen. In verse 17, the prophet says, you need not fight in this battle. Take your position. I love when he says, take your position. Stand firm. And then watch this. And watch the salvation. Watch the deliverance. Take your position. In other words, get you a good seat. Make sure it's firm. Get comfortable. Listen, when your enemies come against you, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the home and whatnot, instead of getting all, listen, you don't have to be out there. Some of you, some of you getting sweaty for no reason. Dirty and sweaty for no reason. Arguing with every single argument that come up, every single foolish statement. Listen, I know we, listen, some of us got some foolish people in our uh, family and uh, friendship circle. I, I got several of them. Some of y'all got that crazy uncle. I got crazy uncles that are crazy. Listen. Got cra- crazy people all over. But some of us waste time arguing with people and even arguing with <laughs> a life situation, and we get all sweaty and worked up about nothing. God says, What I want you to do, I want you to sit yourself down somewhere, get you a good seat, get comfortable. Now, I want you to picture this seat. You go to the movies. You don't want, listen, you want a good seat. You want to see the whole screen. So you get really, really comfortable and make sure. You firmly in play. And just watch. You just watch. Lord, I'm, you and I together, I'm talking to you. You talking to me. I'm just going to watch this thing unfold. Lord, you do your thing. Now, I've been out there long enough. And uh, all I've done is gotten dirty and sweaty. And, it, and, it has, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Did nothing but worry myself. I kid you not. You don't think I had a handful of hair just yesterday. Just kidding. One yesterday. But listen, you worry yourself. This is a form of worship. God says, sit, get comfortable, and watch. Just wait. He's going to do it. God's going to work it out in your kids' lives. He's going to work it out in your grandkids' lives. Broken relationships, God can work that out. If you got a marriage that's struggling, You do your part. Remember I said pray? You be loving. You be graceful. You be kind. You be an encourager. You build up. And you do your part. If that person doesn't do their part, that's between them and the Lord. You do your part. You let the Lord fight your battle in the workplace. If they mistreat you, make sure that they're not mistreating you because you lazy and you don't show up on time. If you show up on time and you do your job and you do your job well, if they pay you $15 and you work like they pay you $20, then you're doing an exceptional job. But if they pay you $15 and you work like they pay you $14 or below, then you're not doing your job. And so in no sense walking around rope, uh, 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 complaining uh, uh, about the issue. As a, as a believer, you want to put your best foot forward and you just wait and God will fight each and every single battle for you because here, man, I'm telling you. And that's why he says here in verse 17, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them for the Lord is with you. And verse 17 is making this point. There's an assurance, an assurance of God's presence and victory. There is an assurance. Listen, there's no guarantee that when you fight on your own that you're going to win. But no one has bet against God and won. Satan, listen, Satan even knows that his days are numbered. He 
he's just kicking and screaming as he goes, saying, as many as possible come with. He has, listen, he has enough sense to know that the end. You cannot fight against God and win, and there is no battle, there is no war that God cannot and will not win. Your victory is assured, and you will also experience the presence of God. And let me show you how God showed up for Jehoshaphat and Judah. Those three armies, these powerful armies, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Menunites, <laughs> so funny. God had told Jehoshaphat and Judah, listen, I want you to watch. I want you to watch. I want you to wait. It's not your fight. You won't have to lift a hand. You won't have to throw a punch, an uppercut, or a kick. I just want you to watch. And this is how God did it. They were getting ready to come down through Seir, through Seir on Judah. But they started to fight amongst themselves. That was an internal fight. And they started to wipe out each other. <laughs> and they destroyed each other. They caved in. They imploded. There was no explosion on Judah because there was an implosion on the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Minyanites. They imploded. And they never even laid a hand on Judah. And Judah never had to lift up a sword, throw a spear, use their shield. They didn't have to do anything. God says, I got this. God showed out in their life. Now, some of you saying, well, my fight's not like that. There's three enemies we face every day. Our flesh, the world. And Satan. The reason that you and I as Christians continue to thrive and move is because God fights those battles. I could go through a list of things. So, so if I was to go down this front row and ask just that section over there, the first two rows, how many cars they have, have had, I could probably say I had more cars than all of them put together. It's, I had a car that wouldn't even go in reverse. And I had no money to fix it. Nothing was coming in. In fact, we were, Carmen to tell you, we would park on the hill so that when it was time to go, I just put that baby in neutral and let it roll back. <laughs> Listen, I had another car riding down Keller Road. As I was riding down Keller Road, I looked behind me and I saw fire coming out. And it wasn't because I had these special tailpipes. It's because the engine on the car had fell out. I had no money. Because the motor mounts had fell out. There was no money to fix that car. In fact, that car broke down so many times, the dashboard came loose while I was driving. Carmen's grandmother said, listen, that's something wrong with this car. Something must die in this car. Something. <laughs> listen, I used to have to stop in the rain and get out and hit the, uh, 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 the gas pump just to make it work. I, I, I had another car, the muffler, fall off all the time. I had to get up under the car and put the muffler back on it while, while you're driving. Listen, those just cars. I can tell you about owing $200 because I, I spent $2 to get some gas at QT one day. But we didn't have $2 in the, in the bank. 
and it came up to almost $200. I can tell, oh, listen, I can tell you a whole lot. That's just on the financial side. But I also can tell you on the physical side. I can tell you a whole lot of things. See, I can tell you two weeks before I, listen, two weeks after I was born, I still wasn't at home. He said, you ain't gonna make it. And I can go through the journey. I can tell you when I cracked my skull. I can tell you about when I got hit by a car. I can tell you a whole lot of things. But I also can tell you about people that I have met that have been physically in, in, in a situation where they've told you don't have much time left. And I've stood at their bedside. I can tell you about Miss Bunny standing at her bedside. She got cancer. Miss Bunny worked at the last church I was at, standing by her bedside. She said, Joe, uh, listen, you're going to preach my funeral. When you preach my funeral, she said, remember, it's not a funeral. It's a home-going service. I said, yes, ma'am. I got you. She said, I want you to say this, this, and this. So she's telling me. She wrote, she wrote. And she says, tell them I've been ready to go. Tell them that I am at peace with the Lord. She says, also tell them that while I was here in the hospital the whole time, every single day, and they were saying, I'm leaving, I was telling them, make sure that you're ready for when you leave. She's telling the nurses and the doctors that she was there witnessing. I've seen people use the last days of their life witness to others. You young people, I know a young man, 12, 12, 12 or 13 years old, when he passed away. That young man shared the gospel and led more people to Christ than some people in this room that have been with, walking with Christ for 50 years. Young man named Jonathan Russell. I can tell you story after story after story after story after story. You know why? These are people who understood that God's fighting for me. And even if a victory to you doesn't look like a victory, I shall walk in his presence. I shall be victorious because I have a great God. He is sovereign and he is the master and the Lord, not only of my time on this earth, but also of my next destination. And so if I chose him while I'm on this earth, guess where I'm going to be when I leave? I'm going to be in his presence. But even before I get to his presence, isn't it sweet to know that he's even with me right now? I'm not alone. Look at me. Stop your fight. Stop getting all spiritually sweaty, spiritually dirty about something that belongs to God. And some of you will not experience that victory till you say, Lord, I'm going to surrender this to you. I want to surrender this to you. Listen, that, that's, I'm, I'm just being, I'm being, I'm being as genuine and as, uh, as I can be with you. That was, I, I had one child, I said, Lord, they cause a lot of worry. I know they don't belong to me. I know everything I have belongs to you. This child doesn't belong to me. I give them to you. I'm your vessel. You show me, use me how you want me to minister to them. But that this, this is your fight. It's not my fight. This is your fight. I'm telling you, whatever you have going on, give it to God. I mean, give it to him in prayer. And I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna walk away. Can I borrow your mic? She gave me this, right? Did you see her give this to me? I'm gonna give this back to you. You just take it. You take it. Take it. Take it. 
That's us sometimes. We give it to God. We just keep taking it back, taking it back, taking it back. Give it to him and say, Lord, I trust you with it. You're going to do a whole better job with it than me. And I'm going to watch and see what you do with it. Because I could take this mic and I could sing and you all walk out. But I give it to her and she can do great wonders with it. Well, it's the same way with some of the problems and issues that you got going on in your life. It don't belong to you. That's the reason why you've been working on it for the last 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. And if you're not careful, you'll transition from this earth still messing with the same thing. And God says, I told you to lay it down 55 years ago, but you wouldn't let go. So you never got to witness your deliverance. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that you would give us a heart and a mindset to know, to remember that the battle is yours. Help us, dear Lord, to be still, to watch and to wait. Help us, Father, to be faithful in prayer and have a mindset of expectation as we look to you. But Father, you know what to do. You know how to do it. And Father, you have the ability to pull it off. So Father, help us to be still and to trust you. And Father, I pray right now that as we prepare to share Jesus, that you would just soften the minds and the hearts of those who have yet to receive him. That they too may learn and watch a true fighter at work and may their journey start today. <laughs>